This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards, registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. We're going to build a train so big, it can't be stopped. From the executive producers of Power. We got enemies eyeing us. Cops clocking us. Comes the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Tommy Egan is the linchpin to breaking down all of these gangs. Egan's too dangerous to be left alive. Power Book 4, Force. Game over. Premieres Friday, September 1st, only on Stars and the Stars app. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it is that you're listening or watching. This latest episode of Turfcast Podcast with me, your eminent, as usual, my good friend, Simon Townley. I do, mate. You all right? Oh, good. Thank you very much. Yourself? Yeah. Good. Obviously, we started last week with a sombre tone after, you know, a couple of defeats. This week, we started with a, a bit of a happier tone and we didn't really expect to be in this position, did we? But obviously, um, we'll get into that. Just before we do get started, I want to do the usual housekeeping stuff. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook, in fact, it won't be on Facebook this week. If you're watching on YouTube, um, you can see, obviously, at the bottom of your screen, we are, of course, uh, sponsored by Pitch Sports. And as I say, every single week, give it a download. It's available on the App Store and the Google Play Store. And now, if you're an Irish listener, like Quilter, it's available in Ireland. So you can give it a download if you're listening or watching or watching in Ireland, because um, it is now available 
on the App Store. Um, and one thing as well, I do want to, I do want to quickly do because we have got easy one this week. I'm in the shoot off. We've got two games and some transfer activity all to get wrapped up into the same podcast. So it's going to be a busy podcast. Uh, and as I've said, Simon does need to shoot off. But we received um, a nice message on Instagram this week. And, um, and you know, I like to read these out and stuff because it, uh, it, this is why we do it. It was from Jay Warburton. Uh, he sent me a message on Tuesday. Tuesday at 9.20 in the morning. So, you know, it's one of his first thoughts on waking up. Hi, chaps. Uh, just a quick message from a relatively new listener to the podcast. I've discovered it recently. So being being on it weekly for the last five to six weeks and then listen to some of the back catalogue on a long drive from Essex back up to Lancashire this weekend. It's great to actually find some Burnley-specific content out there. And I think, and then he puts in brackets, for the most part, uh, you guys speak a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I agree with so, that. Jay, probably your, your parts. No, fuck off. It'd be you. It'd be you. Um I am interested to hear which bits we don't speak sense about because obviously my uh, speak sense one hundred percent of the time. Um, so Jay, if you are listening, um, even if you're listening in six weeks or whatever, uh, drop us a message. Let let me know which, which bit you think is absolute bullshit. Um, and he says keep up the great work. So so thank you for yes. that, Jay. I really appreciate it, and and that that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Um. But yeah, that's it for the housekeeping. Uh, like I said, it's uh, an action-packed podcast this week. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. And let's go back to Thursday, last Thursday. <coughs> Excuse me. Liverpool nil, Burnley won. Now, none of us were expecting that, were we? Nope. Can't say we were. Uh, no, actually, I retract everything I've just said. Well, you didn't say we'd I... win 1-0, so you weren't expecting it. Anyway... What did, what did uh, you well, say? I think you did you shit out and said 1-1 one, one at the end, didn't you? No, I said 0-0. Nil, nil, and I also said, uh, as soon as I seen the lineup, I put a 10 on Burnley to win because I, I fancied it when I seen Rigi up front and True, Henderson wasn't playing. And I won. You did, because obviously uh, you mentioned that on the watch along. So um, I, 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 can, I can vouch for that. You did, you don't, you're, not just, you're not just one of them lads that's like, oh, look, I won a bet. He did actually tell me before, before, beforehand. Um, but what did you make of the performance then? Because obviously it's, it, it were faultless, weren't it? It, it were to, to, to majority, well, to 99% of it. I, don't, I can't see what, what more we could have done in terms of defensive side. Definitely not. Mm. Maybe a little bit more on the clinical side, and that's been super, super harsh because I think we had four shots on target to their six on target. So the majority of it, we were, we were level playing field at home. You'd expect them to have the most of chances anyway. Yeah. I know they had 25 chances or something ridiculous like that, but it was six on target to our four. So, you know, we, we a penalty... It was a good penalty to get. I think it was Barnes in he just needs to touch that ball when he's got the penalty. That's yeah. That's, what you, you know, it, for some reason on the in on the national you know TV stations and national radio stations, there was a big debate about whether or not it was a penalty, which pissed me off. No end, man. Like if Liverpool had got that penalty, there is no way that that would have been debated. Um, but we are yeah. going to debate it anyway. Yeah. Um, you think it's a penalty? I think he. He's earned the penalty. I don't think it was necessarily a foul other than Ashley Barnes knowing it's a race. And I know that sounds yeah. ridiculous, but in some respects. But it's a race It's a race to the ball and it happens all over the pitch. And whoever finishes second to the ball, it's a foul. Um, so yeah. a penalty seems like a harsh reality for what it was. But it was both people went into that challenge knowing that if they get the ball first, they've, they've won that battle. 
Yeah, both people went into that challenge, like you say, knowing they had to win the ball. Barnsley did win yeah. the ball, Alisson didn't win the ball, and therefore it's a penalty. And I know I use this example all the time, but Nick Pope on Patrick Bamford, Ellen Road, them two get to the ball together at the same time. And in my opinion, Nick Pope wins the ball. That one's much right. less of a penalty. So if that one's a penalty, the Alisson one's a penalty 10 times over. Um, but yeah, um, interesting win. What do we make of the, the dash and, uh, and Klopp stuff then? Because that, that were quite interesting, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that they both squashed it as soon as the match finished. They both said, listen, it was, no, it was just two managers thinking. I think it was fully fueled by the frustrations of Klopp. I think Dash has probably said one thing that's just blown Klopp over the top. He's under some pressure at the minute to get results. And he's basically not breaking down Burnley at that point. And I just think, yeah, Dash has probably said something and he's just fucking gone for it. You know what it's like? It's like when your missus is in a mood and you just said the littlest thing and all of a sudden it's like, boom, it's in your face. Yeah. Been in that yeah. type of a few times. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I just don't, I don't think there was much of it. I love the fact that they squashed it afterwards and said, it, it was nothing. But the second half after that, uh, it all worked in our favour. His frustrations, his, his thing, he's took that into the dressing room, from my opinion. Hence uh, why Alisson's gone flying into that, because he's, you know, they're all pumped up. They all know they need to do something. Yeah. If Alisson had been more involved in the game, would he have done that? Or is it just a rush of blood because it's his moment in the match? Because he didn't have a great deal to do, let's be fair. Um, but neither did Nick Port, and he didn't do no daft. Oh, true. Um, I do want to go back to something you said earlier, though, because it's something I agree with. Um, again, we didn't really create too much. And I, I know I'm being incredibly harsh here because we're playing yeah. at Liverpool. We weren't expected to create anything. Um, but it's the only reason why it is a concern, and I'm bringing it up, is because of how we've created so much, so little um, in the previous games before it for quite a while now, a month and a half, two months. So was that a concern, or do you just all look at that game? I, I guess it is a concern on, on the... Uh, of the last four or five games, speaking from the Liverpool game backwards, obviously we'll mention the fun game in a bit. Um, otherwise, it probably won't have been a concern. But for me, it's still a bit of a concern. But again, I do think I'm being a bit harsh with it being Liverpool. But like I said, I'm going back to the to the, the, the several games before it. But what do you think on that? Yeah, I think that's why I reference it as being like 99% of the way there. Because away at Liverpool, you're not expected to create many chances. But I only bring it up because of the lack of chances in previous games. That being said, I wanted to sort of bring it in at some point of that gap between the defence and midfield was the first time it's been filled in a long, long time. Not just in an attacking sense, because obviously we didn't create a great deal, but they worked together as a unit to build out the play, to work it out. It was so good to just not see begging for Ashley Barnes to get a foul, just so that we can get up yeah. the pitch. It was so good to see the link-up play and the, and the movement and the confidence sort of growing in the squad. And, and you know what? Dwight McNeil, mate, ran that show. He absolutely ran yeah, it. That, 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 was, that was the next bit I wanted to talk about. How good were he, man? Because he's... He was I, know I, I know we said it, but he was quite poor at the start of the season. I say poor, poor for Dwight. He wasn't doing what he was doing in that game. And you mentioned that midfield link. Dwight was a big part of that. Getting the ball yeah. and running at Liverpool, getting us up the pitch. That was, that's what we've missed. That's what Dwight does so well. He gets on the ball... He drags us 30, 40 yards up the pitch. And then when he's 30, 40 yards up the pitch, he doesn't just get tackled every time, like, you know, your Brady's or, or somebody like that, not to criticise Brady because he has been playing quite well. But he, he has got an end product as well, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so he was fantastic. And I think, I've said, he was dropped for a little bit, which, we, you know, we, we debated and stuff like that. We've been debating whether other people should be dropped recently. But he's come back from his time on the bench. Absolutely fantastic. So it shows it can work. 
Yeah, obviously recovering from an injury and the first sort of appearances off the bench, he dragged us through it, but obviously not ready to start a 90 minutes. So when he when he was on the start, I said the, said the Liverpool squad, Charlie Taylor, I know we, we can't really talk about him too much because he went on for, for, for the whole game, but yeah. he, I just had a feeling that we're starting to see that 11 come back. You asked the question last week, do we need to see Jack Court back? I still feel there's an engine missing in the middle. I do, I do really do. And it's not to criticise the two that are in the middle because... They all bring different parts of the game to me, um, but to see Dwight back, Charlie Taylor back, it would it was a massive energy shift. Do you know what I mean? We've gone from like a five out of ten in energy to suddenly a seven out of ten. Yeah, obviously, like you said, Charlie Taylor did get injured, so he's touch and go at the minute, according to Darcy's latest press well, conference, which in English, yeah, which in English I think is about two weeks. So. Um, I was a bit disappointed to see him rush back, but in the end, like you say, that energy shift was there, so I, I can understand why he was brought back. But I'd like him to play. Um, wow, would have been game, man. Uh, he would have been my man of the match if it weren't for Nick. Yeah, well, I, think, I think. Yeah, I'm going to say I think I think you gave it Paul Pierre on the watch along, didn't you? But do I have class? I think Just I put him of in the magnitude in the, in the of poll, it. Yeah, I think I put him in the in the in the vault on on Turfcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's good to see Dwight and. Um, yeah, the, a, a big win, historic win as well. First time since, what, 1974 we've won at Anfield? Yeah, I, I only know that, but I've read it, but I only remember it because of the song. Yeah, uh, and that's that. I tell you what, if you haven't already, you can see over my left shoulder, I did that to, to realise which shoulder it was, because I don't know which way I'm switched on camera. Um, if you want to listen um, to Jared's song, because if you watch the watch along, <clears throat> it's quite funny, actually, I'll tell you the story, uh, If you, for those that don't watch the watch along, at half-time at nil-nil, we were sat there debating the game, and um, I, I said something like, "Oh, imagine if we win this, Jared. Will, will, will you sing a song if we win this?" And he was like, "Oh, there's no chance it'll happen." So, so yeah, I'll get my guitar out and sing a song if Burnley beat Liverpool. Obviously, 86 minute, 80, whatever minute it was, Ashley Bond scores a penalty. We win one 0 Jared, man of his word, went upstairs, got his guitar, did a sing song live on the watch along. If you haven't already, go and have a look at our social media channels. You'll be able to find it on Facebook and on our Twitter. Um, the actual live watch along sing along, and then afterwards, a day or two afterwards, he wrote a full version, sat at his piano and wrote a full, full version with two or three choruses and uh, verses, sorry, and choruses in between. So that's on our YouTube channel, which you can see over my uh, left shoulder. If you haven't already, please do go and subscribe. Uh, we are on the road to 300 subs now, we're about 270, 280, I can't remember. So help us get to 300 subs, and then and then we can get towards the next target, which in the long run uh, is a thousand. So fingers crossed that doesn't take too long. Um, but as usual, I've said a million times, this platform isn't just mine, it isn't just Sam, it belongs to you as well. And I got everybody involved in uh, the fan reaction, as usual. And it was good to see some new faces. Uh, I say some new faces, some people who haven't done it for a while. Um, we had representation from America, representation from New Zealand. Um, so it was good to see uh, plenty of uh, sort of international clarets on this week's fan reaction. And this is what the Burnley fans had to say about that historic win against Liverpool at Anfield. It's been a while for me. I know, America, we're different time zones. I haven't been able to watch many of the, many of the games, but... I was able to take this one in, and wow, uh, that's all I can say. We, man, this def back line played great. The whole team played great. I had a feeling it was going to be nil-nil uh, right around halftime when Liverpool was very upset. They were, they they were not happy. They weren't getting their way. Jurgen was getting upset. He's a class manager, but he throws fits every now and then. The players just just worked so hard. I, I mean. Looking at our current form, we weren't playing so well, and we 
looked like us today, really. And Pope, I'm putting Pope in that category. He's, he's, I'm fringe calling him a world-class keeper. He is, he's probably the third best keeper in the league, um, I would say. He's, he is something else. He's phenomenal. So some big club's going to come in and spend some money on him. Same with Tarkowski, unfortunately. But that's for a different day. And, uh, man, I just, we got the penalty. <laughs> When's the last time Burnley got a penalty? <laughs> Especially in the league. Oh, man, it's good to be back. Um, I'll, I'll keep doing these as long as I'm watching the game anyways. Um, uh, I think we're for sure staying in the league now. This was a massive three points. We got some big games coming up, tough games. And I thought this one was, was tough, and we won. So <laughs> uh, I'm excited. Up the Clarets from America. Get in, lads. Martin from New Zealand Clarets here. What a great day for the club. Okay, you could say that Liverpool were in a bit of a funk right now, but they're still a very good team, and they've got some very good players. Actually, about 30 of them. Fantastic uh, demonstration in team, in team defending. Textbook by Burnley, and capped off by uh, another great performance by Pope and Goal. You could say that uh, Liverpool were a bit unlucky to, not to score uh, one, uh, when... Ben Mee had his racket, but Pope, you know, made himself really big and forced the guy to go around him. Another key moment, uh, obviously, was the penalty, and Allison actually did, had a, did a good job, went the right way, but Barnes was up to the task and slotted it home. So all in all, um, a terrific day for the lads, and um, bring on Villa. Looking forward to that. Cheers. Now then, Clarets, that was good, wasn't it? Um, it's going to be a short reaction because you don't want to pick apart something as special as that. Um, anybody who said they knew that was going to happen is lying, quite frankly. I don't think anybody had us down to win. Um, I mean, we've scored a goal, that's the main thing. It, albeit a penalty, we've scored a goal. Um, now they know what that feels like. Hopefully some more come. Um, unbelievable. Um, almost a year to the day since the win at Old Trafford, beating Arsenal away this year already. Um, for as much as they give you bad times, they give you moments like this, and it's pretty special. Um, I think the lad said it last night. Um, I couldn't watch the watch along, but I saw the reactions, and as um, I think you said it, it's a shame that fans weren't in. Although if fans were in, it might have been a bit different because you know what Liverpool crowds are like um, at Anfield. But uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, the, the only thing I can react on is um, we got lucky with, with uh, Ben Mee's early mistake, but other than that, defensively solid. And my God, Nick Portman. Nick Port. The, there's not a chance on earth Southgate can watch what's happened there and not have him as number one for England. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the, the man is above Pope. He's a god. Um, above the Pope level, he's a god. Um, don't know what happened at half-time between Dyche and Klopp, but I wouldn't want to be Klopp. I, sh I shot myself for him when Dyche turned round. Um, but unbelievable. Hopefully now, 
like it was last year. You know, we went to Old Trafford, we weren't in the best form, although we'd just, we'd just beaten Leicester, which I think was the turning point. Hopefully, um, this is the kickstarter um, and gives them a bit of belief. And hopefully goals start coming now. Now they know what it feels like again. I know it was a pen, but you've got to still score them. And Barnes, did, Barnes took it well, actually, to say he's not scored many and there's been a bit of pressure about goals. He could have easily um, missed that or done a really shit kick. But, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um I'm not going to pick up part of the performance. Um, it's probably aspects that you, you could, but I can't remember. It's just a result. And um, Jared needs to release that song. It needs to be released and it needs to be uh, number one. Um, it's too it's too good to just stay as a sort of cult, cult hit on YouTube. Get it released. What the Clarets? Oh, goodbye, me. <laughs> All right, that's me.
Winning Clarets had to come out of hiding after that one. Champagne on a bit of humble pie this morning. I must admit I probably would have gone with Chris Wood and Vidra up front last night. But Ashley Barnes with his true resilience, cheeky smile and winning mentality won that game for us at the end of the day. As Tom Heaton said after the game, it was his recovery from the slight stumble leading up to the penalty that caused the goalkeeper to come out and trip him. It was definitely a penalty. As Turf Cass quite rightly said, if that had been Liverpool, there wouldn't even have been any doubt about it whatsoever. It's another 46-year hoodoo put to rest against a side desperate for goals and a result themselves. Jurgen Klopp adds himself to the list of managers, shocked into disbelief that little old Burnley could go to Anfield and actually win. 69th game, first defeat, that is some achievement. The press, Sky and other broadcasters continue to disregard the fact that we can actually play a little bit in that first half. There were some good triangles going on in midfield and had uh, Trent Alexander Arnold ghosted past players like Dwight McDeal, McNeil did, they'd have been uh, nominating him for the Ballon d'Or. So I think improving performances have already been in evidence. Uh, only the odd error, strange decisions, cruel deflections have denied us at least a point in three of those games. And uh, we have to trust in Deitch because he's constantly said that he can see improvement. He's got players coming back. He can make use of players for part of a game or a whole of a game and uh, find the correct combination. Onwards and upwards as usual. Let's hope for a cup run as well this weekend. And then it's uh, Aston Villa, which uh, you know is going to be a tough game. But we did quite well at their place and hopefully we can uh, get the three points this time round. So, uh, hope to see you all again soon and uh, up the clarets. So there you go, that was the fan reaction of uh, Liverpool 0, Burnley 1, historic win at Anfield. First win there since 1974, as we've said. Um, and if you're listening to that, watching that and think, I want to get involved, I want to do a fan reaction, um, then you can do. We're always looking for more people. Um, I know a few people have struggled to send it in via um, email and stuff. Um, Robert Benson's one of them. Um, shout out, Robert. Um, and a few others, <coughs> excuse me. So you can send it via Twitter DM uh, if you want to. If you know me personally, WhatsApp's probably the best bet. Um, and if and if and if you do a few watch longs, sorry, a few family actions, and, uh, and you know I start getting to trust you and stuff, I'm more than happy to sort of like give you my WhatsApp and then you can send it out there. But but no nudes, please, no nudes. Um, but right before we go on to the Fulham game, because as I said, it's an action-packed podcast. We've got two games to discuss. I'm going to do some transfer talk after the Fulham game as well, which is not something we do very often. Um, but it's towards the end of January and things are starting to hot up. Um, I do want to say, obviously, we asked the jackpot question last week and uh, we put it on uh, the Pitch Sport app. Uh, another shout out uh, to Pitch Sport. Thank you for sponsoring us. Uh, please download it in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And especially now, if you're in Ireland, you can give it a download as well. Um, 
But yeah, what are I going to say? Yeah, that's it. The Jack Court question. It's done the thing where it logs me out, so I can't check people's answers to that one. Um, so what we'll do, we'll uh, we'll answer them next week. Is I, I don't know why it logs me out. I don't know my password or anything, so I can't log back in. It winds me up knowing. So logging me out, pitch. There you go. Um, that's my only criticism. Um, anyway, let's talk about the Fulham game then. Um, yeah. Fulham nil, Burnley three. Another victory into the fifth round of the FA Cup for only the second time in the last scenes my computer's just gone off behind me um and obviously we all know what happened the last time we got into the fifth round of the fa cup um we had an embarrassing defeat against a non-league side and we should have been in the quarterfinals um but we're all about positive now we've got bournemouth or crawley in the next round in fact by the time that this is out we'll know who it is i'm going to yeah. guess at bournemouth i'm going to yeah. guess it's going to be bournemouth so just for the sake of the podcast we have bournemouth in the next round if that's wrong now you know why um chance of a cup run though before we get on to the game yeah, oh, massively. We keep begging for this, and I've said it last week, and I said it again. If it's if we want to start creating a second team and depth and, and squad sort of talent beyond the first eleven, these are the times that we can play these teams and, and encourage players to come and sit for us and, and know that they're going to get their opportunities. Yeah, definitely. It's especially now because, as you say, the transfer window's open, so people are going to be looking at it and thinking, "Oh, there's no point because look at Ben Gibson; he didn't get a chance to play." But if we're playing these sort of people in fifth round and quarterfinals of FA Cups and they're going to want to come to Burnley. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the Fulham game as well. We made nine changes and surprisingly, the two people that he kept in was Tarky and Dwight, which should have been the two people I'd have been more <laughs> wanted him to drop the most. But I think that's part of the reason why we played so well. Um, obviously, we won 3-0. Vid and Jay up front as well, so it was good to see them too. A lot of people have been begging for him. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff that people have been saying was kind of sort of like proven right. Um, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um but the 3-0, Simon, um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, so many shocks, so many buzzing things about that match, weren't there? Um, yeah. Number one, first first top of it all, was Kev Long scored. Not just with his head, yeah. but with his feet. I know. Uh, I just, I just, I, what, what was he doing so far up the pitch? It wasn't even a set piece, was it? I can't, I it, well, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Like, it was from a cross. Yeah, I think it was yeah, a second cross, phase. Yeah, but- Right, oh, right, yeah. I'm going to say I remember the cross, but the actual cross itself wasn't a set piece. But yeah, it could have been the the second phase. But yeah, yeah. So he, he's got that goal. Uh, Fulham's pitch were a shambles. That were funny to see. Sort of. Yeah, in some respects. Do the reason I bring that into it is not because I'm laughing at Fulham, but I just thought there's no way that we'd get away with that. That we would be absolutely ridiculed oh, yeah. for shit like that. Of course. Uh, but it's Fulham, so it's right. Um, we. We kept them quite. There were only one decent player. That I mean, Mitrovic is a good player. There's other good players on the pitch as well. But Kamara was the only sort of thing that I thought was going to be a threat coming from him. He was the only one. Um, but on on the whole, as a game, I thought we were brilliant, mate. We, with the link up play that, that we speak that we, we're begging for in the Premier League, the chances created that we're begging for in the Premier League, the fact that we got three goals, uh, two of them from Jay, and he assisted the other. Is yeah. a massive is a massive buzz for me. Uh, I just like to sort of speak on the Vidra thing because I do think they are exciting watching Jay and Vidra together. But there's certain players that if they was on the pitch and missed the chances that he created that he had would have got absolutely yeah. lynched even at a three 0 win. Um, yeah, that's this only thing for me now. If he finished them chances that he gets himself, it'd be it would be in the starting eleven. But you know what I mean? He missed probably. We could have scored five easy. Yeah, it, he's not clinical enough, is he? He, no. he? he creates he creates opportunities and stretches the play with his runs, which is what a lot of fans. Well, he's going back to my point by saying fans are proven right, but then at the other side, that the the, the anti Vidra sort of like debate from people, 
also kind of think that they've been proved right as well because he missed a lot of chances. So it was a little bit yin and yang, wasn't it? Like he he did really well stretching the place, intelligent runs, creating them pockets in behind him and stuff, which is where we got had all that joy in midfield. But then his finishing wasn't good enough. But maybe that will come back through through sharpness if he plays more games. Yeah, I just think I like vids. I'm not. This is not to criticise vids. It's to criticise the fans that are sort of begging for vids to play. It, it, it's. I understand where they're coming from. It's just that they wouldn't. They wouldn't allow another player, certain players like Barnes and Wood, for example, to miss them chances without sort about? of taking to the fucking keyboards. But. I understand why they're asking for him because he's exciting and J-Rod's exciting. And do me and you have both said this, Wood and J for us up top? Uh, yeah, I'll probably... In a for normal sense. In a normal sense, yeah. If Wood wasn't so much out of form at the minute, that's 100% my, my front two. It's always been Wood and J. I've said that in podcasts last year. They're my favourite front two. At the minute, with Wood being out of form and still not getting a goal, if Barnsley getting the goal against Liverpool, I might even try Barnsley and J. Uh, against Villa, um, I still want to go with Jay and Vids. Um, I think no. I think Vids would be perfect to bring on with his intelligent runs, with the way he stretches the play in like the 60th minute. And I think a, a lot of people um, will sort of like maybe say, "I can't believe you're not starting Vids after he played so well against Fulham." But it was a, a, a changed Fulham side. Let's be fair; well, it wasn't Fulham's sort of like first team, and he did play well, but he wasn't clinical enough. And I just think he would be class. Like I said, coming on in the 60th minute against some tired legs, you know, some legs that have got an hour of football in them, making them runs and stretching that play, and then and then maybe you know your Brownells and your McNeils and your Westies can take advantage in the middle of the park again, and we can start getting a hold on a game after the 60th minute. That is where I criticise Dash in the Vidra debate because I think Vidra should be coming on far early. I don't coming on in the 85th minute. What's he going to do? We might have three attacks. You know, in that time, and that and that's and that's even being generous for Burnley. Three attacks in five minutes is, is very generous. We might have one attack. What's he going to do in that time? He needs to be on from the, the 60th minute to make them runs that we saw him make against Fulham, to create them pockets of play behind him and things like that. That That's what I'd do. So against Villa, what I would do is I'd start, I'd start Barnsley and Jay um, because I think Jay played very well against Fulham. He's definitely deserved his, his, his place in the side from that performance. Um, I still prefer what I still think is our best finisher, but he's so much out of form. I think it's time he deserves a break. Uh, in a similar sense with what happened with McNeil, I think he'll come back and will do better if he has that break. Um, but for now, for the game, I'm going for Barnes and Jay. Bring Vids on in the 60th minute and maybe bring Woody on in around the 75th for Barnes. Yeah, something uh, like uh, that. I, I can't know. argue with any of them points really. I think they're, they're good value points. It's just... Uh... He ain't going to change it. And, and why should he change it after a, another famous victory? You know, how many times have we said that, by the way? We've been doing this podcast now for two seasons. It's the second season. Um, well, we've been doing it live out there anyway. And then we've got yeah. three massive, massive historical moments in, in the Burnley world. You know, we've got the win away at in Old Trafford. Year. In the last 12 months, we were, we were away at Old Trafford. Me and you were there. We didn't get to go to the Arsenal game. and We didn't get to go to the Liverpool game. But we got to do it on a watch along. You know, there's been some incredible results. And, and why should you change that squad right now? You you won't, and he, he will not, unless there's an injury. Yeah, yeah. well, you say that, obviously. I think Jay started the game at United. So, obviously, I know it was Jay and Wood. Um, obviously, yeah. I can't remember who played up front for the for the Arsenal one. Probably Wooden, um, Wooden Barnes. But if going back to them two, the, Wooden, the yeah. Arsenal and the Liverpool one, obviously, an own goal and a penalty. So, there's still, still no... no 
no Burnley goals in there, like from open play or anything uh, that, that have been scored. Obviously, the Aubameyang one goal was an open play goal, but we didn't score it. So that that debate could, will rumble on until we start scoring goals, really, um, in open play and, uh, and stuff like that. So who would you start then against Aston Villa up front? Oh, well, um, I'd stick with what it is, yeah, for now, because I, I do ma massively think that people underestimate the defensive side of Chris Wood as well. We don't even think about it. We don't mention it. But he's, he's not just there as a thing. But when you are getting 1-0 up or you are holding on, he's a, he's a release on the corners and he sits at the edge of the box when we're defending. If you looked at the Liverpool game, I think I don't think he came out past 20 yards once it was 1-0 up. And he does do a bit like that. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd probably start them. To, I'd keep the same squad as the Liverpool game, albeit Charlie Taylor might not be in. Eric Peters, though, I made it on the watch along. The, he, he's already won at um, Anfield with Stoke City. So maybe he's the omen. Yeah. There. Yeah, potentially. He did really well when he came on. Obviously, got, quickly going back to the Liverpool game, obviously, we're talking about Fulham now, but he did really, really well when he came on. So um, fingers crossed he can do really well um, against Villa as well. Um, do you want to know yeah, the squad for the, the Arsenal game? Uh, you can do quickly if you want. Pope, Lawton, Tarkin, me, Taylor, Brady, Westwood, Brownhill, McNeil, Rodriguez and Wood. Was it Rod and Wood? Right, mm. interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do think Jay's done enough in that fun game to, to deserve that against Villa. Man United as well. Yeah, I obviously scored at United, didn't it? Um, but yeah, quickly going back to the Fulham game then, why do you think we played so well then? Do you think it's Jay and Vids making the runs, an intelligent player from Jay holding the ball up, Vids making the runs, or do you think it was... Jack Cork in the middle of the park because obviously we had that debate last week and obviously the transition between the defence and the midfield being a lot smoother, a lot quicker. Him and McNeil both playing in the same side as well, to be fair. It's always going to be a little bit smoother. Do you think that had a big part to play or do you think it was the front two? Massive, massive part. People underestimate what Jack Cork does. We've said this before about previous players get criticised for moving the ball left and right. Um, but you can't go forward every single time, you know, and... He brings that link-up play. This is the link-up play. It's not just a direct ball up to Chris Wood for him to try and battle with. It's the people that lay it off to the wing-backs to overlap, to the, you know, for, for the midfielders like McNeil to then get space in front. He doesn't have to drag it up the pitch. So massively underestimate people, uh, what Jack Quart does for the for the midfield. Um, but J-Rod, he, he's man of the match by a country mile. He creates his own look because he's in them spaces and he's got the execution to deal with it as well. Yeah, well, he did win the Turfcast Podcast Man of the Match poll, so congratulations to Jay for that. And it was Pope uh, who won it at Liverpool. Um, so congratulations to him. It's the most prestigious Man of the Match poll oh, in massive. world football, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, and all the lads are desperate to win it every single week. Um, so big shout out to them too. Um, I think it's worth yeah, saying as well, Fulham were fucking dreadful. Yeah, they were. They're, we'll get on to that. Hector but was shocking. Point, were. But at what, at what point do we start? Is it a cup run now? Do we have to beat Bournemouth or Crawley? Probably Bournemouth. By the time yeah. it's a cup run or is it yeah. and then the quarterfinals? Is, is that what it is? It's a cup run for Burnley, what we're in now. Yeah, cup, but it's not a fourth round for me, cup run for Burnley. <laughs> for me, you've got to get to your quarters as a Premier League side uh, to consist of a cup run. I don't think Man United would call it a cup run at this point. Let's put it that way. Oh, no, yeah. Man United won't call the cup run unless it's in the final, I presume. Yeah, no. um, it's going to be heartbreaking, though, isn't it, if we get to the semis and we can't go. I'm I'm going to be gutted. If anybody knows of any jobs going at Wembley Stadium 
give me a show. I'm happy to, to be a chef at Wembley Stadium for that day or whatever. Or, or mind you, obviously, chef, no one's there. I don't know. Security guard on the door is not letting people in and then running myself to watch the game. Anyone know of any jobs going at Wembley? Let me know. Um, I'm happy to do that. But obviously, we, we want to do as well as we can. So um, I don't want the club to uh, to not go on a cut run this year, but it would be heartbreaking. Um, but you mentioned Fulham being shite. You said it a bit better than that. You said they were poor. Um, is uh, are we now not worried about Fulham in, in the in the terms of the Premier League relegation race battle? Should I say race is definitely the wrong word for that? Um, because they were that bad, or do we just sort of like look at it and think, well, obviously they made a lot of changes, so we won't I think it's worth like looking that. over his shoulders at them because they still have their first eleven is a similar concept to our first eleven. They know how each other work. They have hit a bit of consistency. I won't say form, but they've bought a bit more consistency with the player in recent yeah. games. Um, We've got them coming up. That will be the proper analyse, analysation, or whatever the technical word is for whether they are a decent outfit and whether we should be taking them seriously. That will be a more realistic result. Um, their second squad is miles off it, though. If that's their second squad yeah. that we just played against, it were fucking miles off it. Ream at the back, um, Hector were bad, um, Kamara was decent, Mitrovic had a 10 minute flutter. With the uh, with yeah, the he's game a good player, he, but he's not. He's not. He didn't do much, did he? No, he had a ten-minute spell where I thought shit, um, and that were it, mate. Honestly, I can't even remember half the other people's names. They were just they were just taking part. They weren't even playing the game, really. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so good win into the fifth round of the FA Cup, playing Bournemouth or Crawley, probably Bournemouth. Um, and yeah, we're on. We're on for a cup run. Um, just before I go into the Villa game. Like I said, it's an action-packed podcast. Um, transfer talk, and I feel like mm. there should be some sort of like jingle over this, but there won't be. I'm not. I'm not going to make one in. Transfer um, talk. There you go. There you go. That, that's, that's your jingle. Um, on the day of recording this, we're recording it early this week, as you will now be aware. You're listening to this on probably a Wednesday if you if you're one of the people that listens to it on the day it drops. Um, so it's not Turfcast Thursday this week; it's Turfcast Wednesday. But on the day of recording this, we are recording this on Tuesday. And just as I was sitting down to set everything up, the news broke that Burnley had, had a four point five million pound bid rejected for Stoke City's Nathan Collins. Now Stoke City want ten million pound. When I knew that this time last week, so it's. It's another typical Burnley looking move, isn't it? Like new owners, same old shit. 10 million quid, we'll offer you less than half. And then in a bit, we'll come in with 7.5 to make it look like it's a good offer. It annoys me. We need to get it. I'll be honest. Ball's out on the table, fully honest here. I have not seen him play like a, a proper game, I don't think. I, I've not watched Stoke in the last couple of years, so I doubt I've seen him play. I've not watched Republic of Ireland under 21, so I've probably not watched him play. Um, but Arsenal are after him. There's a lot of talk in the Midlands about how good he is. Like I said, he does play for the Republic of Ireland under 21s. He is um, going to be a very good international central defender, um, according to a lot of reporters, a lot of Stoke City fans, and a lot of even Villa fans. I've been talking to Villa fans today on on stuff. Um, they were saying, oh, I believe you're interested in Nathan Collins. He's going to be class. I'd love him at Villa. Um, I don't want Burnley to miss out on this one again through stupid bids. The same happened with... Andy Robertson, and look at him now. We were interested in him when he were at Hull and they ended up missing out on him and he's gone to Liverpool and look at him now. I don't want another one of these. I think this guy, based on what people are saying, he could be absolutely terrible. I've, I've not seen him play, but based on what people are saying, this guy could be really good uh, in a few years and he could be the perfect target replacement because I think a lot of us are resigned to, to, to losing him in the summer. Um, yeah. So I just I just wanted to get this one 
done. I want us to get it over the line, but I'm a little bit worried again. But what, I, I'm not sure if you even knew that that bit happened. So I know you've been working all morning doing your Zooms and stuff, and you're going to work all afternoon doing your Zooms and stuff. Um, so I'm not sure you even knew that. But what 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 were your thoughts on, no, on that? News I didn't know there was an official bit because I've just come straight on to to TC. So I didn't actually realise there'd been an official bit, and you give me no pre warning of that. So thanks for that. Uh, but no, it was. <laughs> It was buzzing to see. It'd be buzzing to see us get him over the line. But what Burnley don't seem to learn is when you put these stupid bids in, it's like lighting a match. And all yeah, of a sudden, now, yeah, you've just sparked everybody else into thinking, "Shit, we need to react to this." So you know that they don't, they want ten million. Is ten million a realistic thing for a kid that hasn't played a Premier League game yet? Probably yes nowadays. I hate to say it, it, but it probably is. The debate on Twitter after I put the tweet up saying that this is ridiculous, I'm laughing at Burnley for offering this. Everyone's saying, you know, he's unproven, you know, he's only played in the Championship. Just look at the money that Villa spent on cash and Watkins, you know what I mean? Like, these are the sort of players. We need to get back to signing these young, hungry Championship players because that was what we did so well for so long. And now clubs like Villa and West Ham are doing it now. We've been blown out of the water with these sort of players and that sort of money that they're paying. So we need to get back into this and this is the perfect sort of player to do it with. We said at the beginning of the, of the season, when we heard that Tarki was uh, injured and he, he potentially leaving and all this stuff, and you said you asked me the question, what would my, be my ideal scenario? And I said it would be to keep him till the summer, get somebody yeah. in, in January who's got a few months behind to just come in, get used to it, work his way into the squad, ready for the next season. And that this this is perfect if we do it, if we deal with it, if we actually take it over the fucking line for once. Um, yeah, it, it has to happen because Tarky will go if, if, if he's going this summer, if he's going next year, if he's going in five years. But we don't want to be left in a position where he does go this summer and we've got nobody. Same as every yeah. other position. We've mentioned it time and time again. If you've got a player that's hitting 30 now, there should be a 21-year-old coming in ready to sit on the bench and work his way in. Yeah, of course. Uh, that, that's the way we've done it for years. Recently, for whatever reason, we've, we've stopped. Like I said, it's probably like the likes of Villa and Leeds and West Ham just blowing us out of the water because their transfer strategy seems to have changed. Um, your West Ham used to be buying players from abroad. Now they're buying there's still my place from abroad, of course, but now they're dipping into the championship as well. Where that used to be sort of like, like Burnley, obviously, we signed Charlie Taylor, Chris Wood, you know, these sort of players. Um, we did last year with Brownhill, that's worked out brilliantly. Um, yeah. but in the summer, this summer, for some reason, we only signed sort of like Dale Stevens, sort of like the, the older re Premier League reject, so to speak. I know it wasn't exactly a reject, it didn't fit Brighton's style. Um, but it didn't really work out too well for Stevens at the beginning, but he played okay against Fulham, to be fair, so maybe he's finally starting to, to, to come into the way that we play. Um, but yeah, my thoughts are get this one done, get it over the line, get him in for six months, and then if slash when probably Tarky leaves in the summer, because um, he's, he's ambitious and he wants to play uh, bigger clubs and play in the Champions League and things like that, which is fair enough, um, he'll, he'll be ready to step in. So we need to get this one done, Burnley. And hopefully by the time that we do the next podcast, we'll have seen a picture of him holding the shirt because uh, the transfer window shuts this weekend, I think, or on Monday. I'm not sure exactly when. Um, but another one, um, there's not been an official bid, but we've been linked with Josh King over the last few weeks. Um, and it's starting to gather momentum um, today, really. In the last couple of days, there's been more and more reports Linking us to him uh, and um, a well-known journalist, uh, Pete Rourke. Pete O'Rourke, he used to work for Sky Sports, but I think now he's sort of like freelancing it and doing stuff like that, has said today 
that uh, Burnley are interested in, in Josh King at Bournemouth. And with Burnley's ownership, you know, he thinks that this one has a, a real chance of happening. Now, I know that he's on about 125k, so that would obviously have to come down. But this is why Bournemouth are in the mess that they're in. You're offering these sort of players that sort of money. Beg if it's on 100k a week, wasn't he on the, just on the bench? I think at, at some points of the season. Um, so it would good to see them and their ridiculous transfer strategy and wage structure get relegated last season. Um, so the wage is going to need to come down. It's going to need to come down quite a lot. I think minimum 75k, and even that, I think, is probably more than anybody at the club. I don't know. The accounts, obviously, no, 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 no. Uh, things might have gone up recently, um, but I would be very surprised if we're paying anyone that sort of money. As far as I'm aware, that the highest is around sixty, um, but that's again just sort of like an educated guess on things I've seen in the past. But Josh King, that'll be a good signing. He is is pacey. You can finish. I think the only problem is it would kind of like spell the end of of bids getting on. Uh, he won't even get on an 80th minute anymore. He'll just be playing on the 23s. But I bet Josh King. I'd take Josh King, mate. I'm surprised if I'd be surprised if we get that one over the line with our bidding transfer philosophy. Because if if we start putting a bid in for him, I can't see other clubs not wanting to come in for him. Uh, I think yeah. he's he's a quality player. He's exactly what we need in terms of the pace and the power. Uh, I do think Vidrigo. I read somewhere that you know the the chance of a re, uh, there's a real chance of swapping Andre Gray for Vids. That's a lot uh, of bollocks. I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll say I'll say it now. The reason why I don't retweet everything is because often it's clearly bollocks. But when, when, when you see actual journalists tweeting yeah. shit and not just courtoffside.com tweeting it, then you know it's, you know. But I'll say now if we swap Mate Vidra for Andre Gray this January transfer window, I will plat shit live on a watch along. Actual, actual shit. I will plat shit on a watch along. It ain't going to happen. We are not swapping That's Vids and well I have to wear some gloves. Just because I want to see that happen. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I do think we need to start making a real momentum. I did say to you, the new owners have come in and anybody coming into a new thing makes a massive shift to let everybody know they're here, whether it's a big, a big transfer or, you know, a shift in the staffing, something will happen. And, and hopefully he does put his hand in his pocket and say, right, we're here now and we're, we're in business. Fingers crossed. Uh, good to see him at the game, just before we get on to the Villa game. Good to see him at the Fulham game at the weekend. He got to his first Burnley game, so that was good to see. Amazon will be buzzing, won't they? They're slating him for not turning up when he had COVID. <laughs> yeah, dicks. Um, but yeah, Villa game. Big game coming up. Obviously, we're going into the game in form now. Um, I still, even though they're in very good form and they're clearly a very good side, they spent like, what, £250 million over the last two seasons. So, of course, yeah. they're going to end up being a good side. And, 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 they, and they have the main part of the puzzle already there, Jack Grealish, who absolutely dominated us at the turf last season on New Year's Day. Um, it's going to be a tough one, but it's one of them that we can win. It's, it's a weird one. I do think we can win it, but I do think, it, again, it's one of the games where if we win it 1-0 or if they win it 3-1 or it's 1-1, literally nobody will raise an eyebrow. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting matchup again. Hopefully we can keep Grealish quiet. Do you know what? I watch Villa a lot, obviously, because I'm friends with Tom. I want him to to see how if he gets on, if anything happens, if there's an injury or whatever. I want to, I, just, I always watch Villa games. Just, but last year, going back to that game on New Year's Eve when they tore us apart, it was the Jack Grealish shot, and I could only ever tell you that Jack Grealish was the man. And it's it's in the press. Everyone said it, but Jack Grealish sort of dragged Villa through that season. He got them to safety, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but it's not just my opinion. There's other people's opinion as well. Um, now. 
I can't say that this year, that it's just, it's just the Jack, Jack Grealish show. There's so many good players in that squad this season that are coming out. There's McGinn. Yeah. He had a good season last year, to be fair to him. But there's McGinn, there's, uh, there's Grealish, there's Martinez, there's um, Watkins. There is some squad being built there. And I know they spent a lot of money, but it credit where credit's due, I'd be the first to slate a club when they spend money and it goes tits up like Bournemouth did. But they seem to have built a perfect jigsaw right now. And I hope that we sort of take a form out of that because, you know, they they got Matty Cash in, they got Watkins in, they got they went to the championship and yeah, outbid us on some players. That's, that's exactly why we can't do that anymore. Because clubs like Villa and and West Ham and Leeds, they've got more fans, more backing, so that they, they, they can do that and offer more money. So that's why we haven't been able to do that recently. We've seen yeah, him a quality player, left footed player, really good. They've got more than one player this season. And I do think it'll be a very tough ask considering that they tore us apart with one player last year. And yeah, we, well, we did keep them quite... No, we weren't, but we I think we were hung over. <laughs> we were shite that day. There was just something wrong with us. We were shite. I don't know what it was. I do think it was partly to do with Jack Grealish being fantastic. Um, but we were shite as well. Um, but similar to last season, we kept them... Well, not similar to last season. We drew it. Similar to last season, we drew at Villa Park this season. Though so that's encouraging. Uh, and and the most encouraging about it this season is we kept them quiet. Obviously, it finished nil nil down at Villa Park. So we kept them quiet once this season. We can do yeah. it again. Yeah, I mean at that at that point they were on that sort of like seesaw point of their season where they they won like four games in a row, then they lost four games in a row, then they were sort of like getting to grips with it. But now they seem to have got that consistency, that that momentum. Um, and I think they know what kind of club they are right now. Whereas at the beginning of the season, obviously a lot of new faces in, um, all adapting. It, it won it won them a few games and it lost them a few games. But I do think they're a different squad at the minute. And watching them, they are very very organised. Very they know how to play. I do think there's a chance of getting a, a result out of it. The only reason I'm analysing it so much is because I do watch them quite a bit. But I want if we can keep Grealish quiet. And it's still Grealish who's the main threat. You've still got Traore, you've still got thinking, but Watkins isn't unbelievable against a team that sit back. He's unbelievable against a team that comes out because he's got that pace uh, and he's very good at his snapshots. But I think if we sit back like we do and we sit as deep as we do, he, Watkins isn't the main threat in that game for me. Watch him have an actual no. Yeah, well, obviously, we kept them quite at Villa Park this season, whereas last season at Villa Park it was 2 2. So, they, 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 and then obviously, they scored two, I think, again at the turf. So, they got quite a bit of joy against us last season, not so much this season. Um, so, fingers crossed we can keep them quiet again, and fingers crossed with a bit of a change up front or with the confidence from the, the Liverpool game that Ashley Barnes um, and the entire squad uh, will have got. And the confidence, even your look alike, target, he, he's, yeah, he's a good player, um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, the young Joe, anyone who knows young Joe, not old Joe now, but young Joe, he uh, he looked like target. Um, but he's a uh, he's a good left back, mate. He can whip a ball. He's very similar yeah. to Charlie Taylor, a lot of energy. Uh, so if Dwight McNeil's on that right hand side in any part of the game or Brady, they've got a job on their hands. Yeah, well, fingers crossed we can do it because as I was saying, we have got confidence now from the Liverpool game and we will have confidence from the Fulham game as well. Um, so fingers crossed we can go into it. I'm feeling confident. We've had a we've had a win at Liverpool. The way I I'm see confident. it, now, if we can beat. If we, if we can beat Liverpool at Liverpool, we can beat anybody. It's, it, that is simply it. Now, I, I, if we play as how we can play, I think we can beat anybody. I know Liverpool are on a bit of a bad run and, and it's a little bit different with Villa. Villa are going to come into this full of confidence, probably more confidence than us with the run that they've been on. So I do think in that sense, it will be a tougher game. 
Um, but Liverpool are clearly a better side and we kept them quiet and got the win. So I think we can get the win. I'm going to go for... Um, I think he's going to change absolutely nothing. Um, so I think it's going to be Wood and Barnes at the top. I think it's going to be Peters at left-back, though, which I know he played well against Liverpool and he played well against Fulham. But my arse still falls out a bit when um, you know when he's at left back because I would prefer Charlie there. Um, so they might get some joy down that side. I'm not sure but if they score. It's a typical Burnley sort of like thing, isn't it? If they score, especially if they score first, I think we're out of it. Um, but I think if we keep them quiet for the large part, which we've already shown we can do this season, um, then we can push on uh, and maybe nick a goal or two. So I'm, I'm going to go for a standard Burnley win, one nil, set piece goal. Um, Ashley Barnes again or and fingers crossed Woody I'm going to say Woody because I want Woody to start scoring we need Woody to start scoring um, and if he doesn't score then I've said it already I, I do I love Woody but I think it's time he had a break um, I would personally start Jay and Barnes but if he plays against Villa and doesn't score again then I think that'll even be enough for Dash I think he will start changing it after that but I'm going to go with Burnley 1 Aston Villa 0 uh, for that game what's your prediction? I'm going to go 2-1 because I do find it Hard to think that we will they will not score against us. Um, so I think if we're going to win, we might have to score two. So I'm going 2-1. Fair enough. Um, well, of course, me and Simon don't know too much about Villa. Or this time, Simon does. that. This time for the opposition, Simon actually does know about the opposition, whereas normally you can see him stuck in mutton. He had a clue about Fulham. So, you know, things like that. But this week, we have done a pre-game show. Um, I had a chat with the lads from the Villa Together podcast. Um, and this is just a clip of what they had to say about um, this week's game. So game week 35 last season, we beat Arsenal to go to 30. No, actually, I think it was a draw. No, it was a draw against Everton. Took us to 30 points. So with, yeah. two, so with three games left to stay up, we're on 30 points. We're now on 29 um, and, we're, and we're not even in halfway through the season. So that is a measure of how far we've come. Um, I think last season, we, we were pretty poor. You watched the games. Um, we, we were poor, uh, you know, a big chunk of the season. Um, ironically, yeah. it was against Burnley away that we kind of seemed to, it seemed to look like we were going to be getting better. We had a couple of bad injuries. Um, Wesley picked up an injury. Um, Tom Heaton picked up an injury as well. I think that, that yeah, that, well, obviously that, Burnley fans were wrenching when Tom went down. Obviously, I when we were allowed to go on, I sit in the stand which is behind the goal where Tom got injured, and obviously Burnley fans still love Tom just as much as as what we did when he was here. He's, he's a Burnley legend. He won he won the league championship uh, as Burnley captain, so we were heartbroken seeing him go down. But but yeah, it were a good game that one. Um, not from a Burnley perspective, but definitely from your perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good, good win, and it kind of um, we, we changed the formation. Started, and we thought, oh, here we go. Um, but yeah, so so far this season, I think recruitment's been key. Uh, we've, we've been we've been fantastic in all fairness. And there's, I think you probably say ninety ninety five percent of the games that we've played in, we've, we've been at least competitive. But most of the games, we've been probably the better team in a lot of them. Um, you know, you're looking at Ollie Watkins, Matt, Matty Cash, Emmy Martinez. They've all been brilliant. Uh, Ross Barkley. Um, it's been good. He's just come back from injury. Um, he missed, missed seven games and then he came back for the Man City game. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's been great so far. And we, like you say, we're looking up rather than down at the moment. So, there you go. That was the lads um, and me on the pre-game show. Um, the lads from the Villa Together podcast, shall I say, uh, on the pre-game show, chatting about this week's game against Aston Villa. It is already on YouTube. I uploaded it 
yesterday, uh, the day that you're listening to this. Uh, on, so on Tuesday, that would have been updated. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it is already there. If you want to go and watch that now, uh, ahead of the Villa game, then please feel free to do so. Uh, the full version, as I said, is on YouTube. But that's it from us for this week. Um, we've had a lot to discuss. We've had to put, push the podcast a day early because we're obviously going to be doing the watch along tomorrow night. So we won't have time to then go and do the podcast as well. Um, so these games, it's not just busy for the players. It's busy for the podcasters and the streamers as well. There's there's a lot going on, so it's a good job I was off work uh, for these couple of days. Um, so yeah, we'll be in the watch transfer day, day, deadline live. Um, if if there's chances of Burnley signing somebody, maybe. But all I can do is keep checking Chris Borden's Twitter while I'm live, so it might not be the best live. Oh, oh Chris has tweeted. Oh, it just says he's gone for tea. Blow um, <laughs> Dan Black for updates for an hour. No, that's that's irrelevant. Um, so it might not be the best. Please, please stand um, outside turf in a mat like Ollie off the Ollie the weatherman. Could do. I'll get, <laughs> get away, won't I? I'll get moved away. They're like it's COVID. You can't be here. Piss off. Um, what's on top of the roof like they used to do? You remember them? This guy used to do that. Well, Granada, Granada used to do it. Yeah. Granada, yeah. I remember Granada doing it. Um, but yeah, watch along tomorrow night. Are you free? Yeah, I've not. I've even not booked um, a hair social live that night just because I've seen the fixture were already there. Happy days. Uh, Six pm will be live on Facebook, YouTube, and maybe Twitch um, as well. Um, so please tune in for that. But that's it. Like I said, from this week's podcast. Thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for watching. And we will see you for the watch along tomorrow night. Podcast Network. Let me give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B O D I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.